This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile, here with my friend and fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? No, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado. Uh, the mountains are out, my friend, and I know you're on a road trip because you and I just saw each other in the Windy City, and you're weaving your way down to Dallas, the Dallas area, I should say, to watch those Rangers and Rockies. So where are you now? I am somewhere in between Chicago and Texas, but I, I who knows? I could be I could be in Area 51 right now. Maybe the KGB has me. I, I don't know. But also, too, and you're the only one who has the privilege to see this. I have skulls behind me right now. It so. is fantastic. I, I am telling you, you have found quite the place. But uh, yeah, tell everybody, uh, where are you? I mean, because uh, you, you did something very cool earlier today. And that's something that's been on my bucket list. I Right now, I am in the state of Kansas. I am in Kansas City, Kansas, to be specific. And earlier today, we're recording this on Thursday, I, well, earlier today I was in St. Louis, but also earlier today I was in Kansas City, Missouri. And that is where the Negro League Baseball Museum is. Um, So yeah, that was interesting to check that out. Of course, honoring Jackie Robinson, Hank Aaron, Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson, Cool Papa Bell. Uh, Obviously I'm among hundreds of Negro League players. Um, so yeah, that's something you definitely want to check out if you're in the Kansas city area. Um, also too, most people may not realize that the museum there, um, actually it, there's a few mu- museums with it. Um, predominantly the American jazz museum is right there, but there's a few other places that are right in the same block as it. Um, so yeah, I would definitely encourage anybody to check that out. And I also happen to see the Latino uh, baseball exhibit that they had there, which is a temporary exhibit. It actually just started earlier this week. Um, so I got to check that out as well. So yeah, definitely something that people should check out if they're in the Kansas City area. And yeah. also too, I did happen to drive by um, Kauffman Stadium and the Chief Stadium and names the right now. Yeah, Arrowhead, absolutely. Yes, Broncos fans are uh, are counting the moments. I'm sure until the the orange and blue head to Arrowhead. Yes. Well, and then also too. I mean, I, I do have to say they built it very well around there because I mean, there's just parking for what seemingly miles. <laughs> yep. yep. Well, Bud Black will be happy to tell you about how great uh, things are there at uh, Kauffman Stadium. Uh, you know, so I'm sure he would be happy to chip in on that. And you know that he can always, always talk. George Brett, Frank White, Mark Gubaza, Brett Saberhagen, Dennis Leonard. Plenty of uh, of his former teammates he loves to talk about. Absolutely. Well, you know what I love to talk about, Noah? You like to talk about rockets taking off. You know, I love to talk about our sponsor. And that would be Manscaped, my friend. Hey, attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to even Kansas City. Do we have a grooming problem? 
If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D and the number 20. For your out-of-world experience, look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off not only here in the good old USA, but also Canada, the United Kingdom, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Noah. You were just asking me this the other day, but yes, even Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's F-A-N-D-S-I-E-D and the number 20 at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. And a big thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring us. So as we were talking about before that, the Cubs series, I mean, we were there at Wrigley and well, we saw, uh, we both saw two games together. We unfortunately were not able to see the third together due to the rain out that was on Tuesday and then the split doubleheader scheduling in our schedules with flights and driving and all that yep but we missed the hell of a game we did and a lot to talk <laughs> about in that game let's be perfectly honest you know but I, i've got to mention Noah. you know you talked about the rain out we had some wicked weather in chicago while we were there there's no doubt about those summer storms uh they definitely pop up like around lake michigan and when it opens up it opens up over wrigley field and not to mention you got to experience humidity like you used to in Oklahoma. Boy, I tell you what, I do not. Uh, I have learned that Colorado is a beautiful state, uh, not only for the mountains and everything else to go along with that, but thank the Lord there is no humidity or at least very little humidity in this state. Now, I have not told you this yet, but, but it was even worse in St. Louis. I was there at 930 local time last night getting one of St. Louis's favorites, Ted Dravis frozen custard. Yeah. And no, and shameless plug there, even though they're not sponsoring us, they don't have to, it's, it's good anyways. Um, and it was 92 degrees and there was 75% humidity. Yeah. Uh, there's other than the custard that nothing sounds good about that. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. Yeah. And at first I was, when I turned on my car, I was like, oh, it's just because it's been sitting here. Sometimes, especially when you're in the sun, it'll read like some astronomical number. And I was like, wait, the sun isn't out. (laughs) It's just 92 degrees. Exactly right. But no, the humidity was bad at Wrigley. Uh, Certainly the weather was not great, especially for that night game that, as you mentioned, you and I both had to miss, unfortunately, because of travel conditions and everything else. But And it still rained during that game. It, it did. You know, it, I can tell you, I can give you an on-site uh, report that it was pouring at O'Hare uh, while we were trying to take off to Denver. And ironically, 
the lightning and everything else delayed the flight enough that I probably could have seen the majority of the game had I just stuck around Wrigley, but that's baseball. Yep. I mean, I left at the end of game one and I was still listening to Jack Corrigan and Mike Rice after I got dinner in St. Louis. And then after I got dessert, I mean, Mac hit his home run in the 10th inning while I was eating dessert at a different restaurant that was five hours away. (laughs) Yeah. It's it. Yeah. Think about all the things that happened during that last Cubs game, you know, which again, the Rockies, I think needed that win as much as they've needed any win all season long. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and, and the Connor Joe grand slam, the Mac Homer, uh, some great Mac defense as well. Uh, You know, and you know, you and I were laughing before we came on the air. Uh, Kyle Freeland, of course, is getting all the love for playing right field and the outfield dance or jump, I should say, the celebration at the end. But let's not forget that fantastic push bunt uh, that he did to get on base. I mean, uh, you know, I know bunting isn't sexy, but I'm telling you, that was a good looking uh, piece of strategy there from Mr. Freeland. And bunting isn't sexy because chicks dig the long ball. I mean, if, if exactly. Kat, Tom Glavin hasn't taught you anything, he's taught you that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, school but, I mean, yeah, it's just a wild, wild game. I mean, especially like, for example, Ryan McMahon did not start the game. And he still had three at-bats. Yeah. Okay. Taylor Motter started the game and had two. And mind you, Taylor Motter was not pulled for uh, any injury or anything like that. It's just the game took so long in extra innings because it went 10 innings, but mind you, it was only supposed to be seven because of the doubleheader rules. That was not the uh, most wild game of the night, but we'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. And back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. Before the break, we were talking about not the wildest game of the night. For you night owls out there, uh, you may have been watching uh, the 16-inning game that took place in San Diego, and that was five hours and 49 minutes. That started at 10.10 Eastern time. So that game ended nearly at, uh, what, four in the morning Eastern time? It was, yeah, I know it was still going strong whenever I got home after all the delays after the drive back from Denver International Airport, which I think is right by you there in Kansas, <laughs> all the, the drive back, uh, there was still baseball and plenty of it to watch before I went to bed last night. So, you know, and, and it's, it's I, I, I enjoyed watching the Dodgers uh, Padres at the end of that. I mean, I, I really did for a number of reasons. But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, the longer that game went, the less that people were going to be talking about the Rockies-Cubs game. Because yeah. of course that's going to overshadow it, um, you know. But still, some some really interesting baseball yesterday, and you bring up a really good point because you know we've talked a little bit with Bud this year about the strategy of the seven inning doubleheader and how that kind of changes things. And obviously, you don't have as many frames for the the whole game to play out with a guy like Marquez. You know, think back to that Mets. Uh, doubleheader that happened where they left him out there and he was dealing. Now, obviously that was not the same last night. 
Um, and, and let's also talk about that for just a second here, uh, because Bud said something very interesting after game one, because whenever you and I left Wrigley Tuesday night, we were told that it was going to be Marquez in game one and Gomber in game two. Correct. And by the time that we got to the stadium the next day, there were starting to be some conflicting reports. And sure enough, they ended up flipping Gomber and Marquez. And Bud was asked about it after the game. And he said that Marquez had been pitching the first game of the doubleheader, as you and I were discussing there in the press box at Wrigley. But they were not shall we say, enamored with the results of him pitching that first game. And so they were trying to give him a little bit of a, a mental shift, so we, shall we say. Okay. So, so Bud said that Gomber was in his head prepared to pitch a day game on Wednesday. So they stuck with Gomber in game one. And we know, obviously, one bad pitch from Gomber ended up being the difference in that game. But the second game uh, – again, was very interesting because you've got Marquez, who was originally going to pitch a Tuesday night game, now pitching a night game on Wednesday. So I thought that was a little interesting piece of strategy to try to keep the day-night thing going. Yeah, and I mean, I as we both uh, – I of course, I didn't hear that since I was traveling as well, and you were as well. But, yeah, that's, that's something that was – I mean, with the Rockies pitching staff in general, I mean, even with Marquez going game two, it's, he, it's not like he pitched great or anything like that, but it's, it's been a Rockies pitching uh, problem in general, pitching on the road. Yep. Who would have thought we'd be talking about that Absolutely. on August 26th of the season where the Rockies are, you're like, okay, the entire season, they, they really haven't pitched that well on the road. Yeah, they, they haven't, and that's obviously been one of the reasons why. You know, you get either the anemic offense or the pitching that doesn't flourish as well as it does at Coors Field. And, yeah, go figure, that, uh, you know, that's baseball, right? Yeah. But, but it's been very interesting to see one or the other. And last night, the offense finally was able to keep up with the other team scoring a number of runs against the Rockies pitching on the road. Yeah. And by the way, too, with uh, lack of offense, back to that Dodgers-Padres game, especially with the extra inning uh, runner on second, it's it's pretty damn hard not to score either team, the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. Yeah. That, that takes some serious talent. It does. And, <laughs> and it was interesting because they were talking about all the different ways that they were trying to score, you know, the intentional walks, uh, you know, trying to load up the bases. I mean, just just the fascinating strategy that there was in that game right there. And then also, too, and we'll talk more about Chicago on the other side of the break, but also with that is how far the Padres have fallen. I mean, yeah. it was, what, two weeks ago? I think I, I think it was about two weeks ago. I mentioned, yeah, it's Dodgers, Padres. Yeah, they're in the wild card. Okay, so. And now the teams just have to work on the division. Well, my, 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 I yeah. was wrong. And well, guess what? The Padres are only eight games above 500 now, and they are 15 games back of the Giants for the West. They are a game and a half back in the wild card to the Cincinnati Red Legs. 
When, when we look back at this trade deadline, we will say the biggest thing that happened was that the Padres did not get Max Scherzer. That will end up being the move that is going to keep the Padres out of the playoffs. I'm just going to say that right there. Because whenever you're bringing Jake Arietta on and hoping that he's going to get you through or at least eat up some innings, uh, the Padres still have a long ways to go to try to band-aid this pitching staff together through injuries and everything else that's going on. Uh, but not having Scherzer and not being able to pull off that deal while your division rival adds him, yeah, uh, I think that that right there is going to be the thing that separates uh, a postseason burst from not in San Diego. And then two other things, too. For the Cincinnati Redlegs, who did they acquire? They acquired Michael Gibbons from the Rockies. And he has pitched really well for them. And another person who uh, some of the um, some of the peripheral numbers, shall I say, are not great for him. But results wise, he's gotten uh, he's gotten great results. And it's since he's gone to the bullpen. And that is Mr. Jeff Hoffman. How about that? Nine games and in the last nine games, he's gone 14 innings. He has an ERA of 129. Hmm. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's, there was always the talk of what if dot, 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 you know, and Hoffman was a guy that bounced back and forth, but I know that there was a talk for so long about could gray be a, you know, could gray be a bullpen guy as well for the Rockies. I think a lot of it boils down to Hoffman finally maybe feeling like he can settle into a role yeah. and that this is who you're, this is who you're going to be Focus on being the best that you can be at that. And that um, is all since he has been a reliever. Yeah. And my other way too, with Michael Gibbons, he's been the red legs closer. ERA one sixty nine. Cincinnati is not minding that they made that deal. Uh, you know, and, and it's also something that, you know, it, it is going to be something to watch and see because the Case Williams thing, I, I think that that is going to be so interesting to see what happens with him and if him coming back to the Rockies is really going to be that much of a deal later on. It's not something we're going to know this year, but yeah. down the road. Uh, you know, because it's very obvious that he was wanted not just once, but twice by this organization. Yeah. And also, too, as we talked about um, when Baseball Prospectus re- released their um, midseason list, Case Williams has slid down. And then also, too, and we'll have this up on the site tomorrow, is MLB Pipeline slid him down as well. He is not in their top 20 anymore. Um when he was drafted, well, no, when he was drafted, he was number 21. Now he is not in the Rockies top 30. So that is something to keep an eye on. But MLB Pipeline released their new prospect ranking list by team. And the Rockies did move up slightly, yep. but slightly. So on the other side of the break, though, we'll continue talking about the Cubs. And we'll talk about a little bit of the future. Back after this. Here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. And we were talking before the break, before we got off on some tangents about the Cubs series yep. and just in general playing on the road. And what were some of the biggest takeaways that you had from that 
Cub series? The one of the biggest ones that I had, and and we alluded to a little bit after, is just how much the strategy of things changes when a doubleheader gets involved. Now, uh, you know that was something that originally in the Tuesday night lineup. If you look back at that again, Marquez was supposed to be starting that game. Uh, Modder was scheduled in at third. So it was almost like they took the lineup that was supposed to be Tuesday night and moved it completely to Wednesday night. But I think that what we're seeing is there's something about playing on the road that is just, and I, and I hate to say it, but it's just in their head at the moment. And I think, and I think all of us who cover the team, I think all of the those fine folks on Rocky's Twitter and and those who watch the game and listen to the game, it's like we're all sitting there going, when's it going to happen? What's coming? You know, and the other day, I think back to that one pitch because Gomber had been so effective for so long. Uh, and then with two outs in the inning, gives up the triple uh, and then walks the next batter. And then a hang slider ends up being a three-run homer, and that ends up being the difference in the game. And a lot of it is going to be placed on Austin Gomber. It's going to be placed on Daniel Bard. But if you look at the majority of those first two games, the offense did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so while we're going to focus on a hanging slider from Gomber being the reason they lost, it's also one of those things that the offense didn't really chip in much outside of a couple of solo home runs. So it was good to see them actually kick into gear Wednesday night. Now, will that carry over to LA? You know, who knows? Uh, You know, LA Dodger stadium is not Wrigley field uh, for sure. But those are the things that jumped out at me was just how, the strategy changed the whole feel of the series as well as just this whole, uh Oh, they're on the road. What's coming next. What about for you? For me, I took away a few things on the good end, Brendan Rogers. I mean, yep. he's, he's yep. been on a terror lately. Um, in his last, I want to say 15 games or so he's hitting three fifty. Um, even longer on the season. I mean, if you look even back to, if you look back to July 6th, he's hitting 308 since then. Yep. Um, so I, oh, there was a lot of people and for good reason who questioned whether or not he would be a bust or not because he had so many injuries. At least this year though, he's at least seemingly has given himself at least a shot uh, he, he's going to be somewhere in the starting lineup next year just by how he's played this year. Secondly, um, CJ Crone. I mean, we've talked about him a lot recently because he has been playing really well at the plate. Yeah. He's been hitting really well as well. Um, and I mean, just think to enter, to enter the month of August, actually after August one, so after his first game of August, he was hitting 237. Now he's hitting 273. Mind you, that's actually down a little bit because he went 0 for 4 in the second game of the doublehead. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, overall, since August 3rd, he's hitting 414 with a 494 on base. Wow. With eight homers and 29 RBI. So most of the offense is coming from those two guys. Um, we were talking about it in the press box. 
Mac has been hitting well contact wise and getting on base well, but he hasn't really hit for the power. But then he hit the homer in game two of the doubleheader. So maybe tides are turning back on that one. Then also, too, like you mentioned, like with Gomber and just in general, the pitching staff, the starting pitching staff has not been great on the road. The bullpen has not been great in general. And that's why, I mean, I've seen the road Rockies in eight games now in person. Yep. They are 0 and 8 because most of the time it's been the bullpen. Whether it's Daniel Bard, whether it's Yancy Almonte, whether it's Yuli Shasin, or who ha- oh, whoever you want to name, they've had issues. I mean, they've there's been good moments like with Shasin. He had a dozen, 15-game stretch or whatever, where yeah. he had an ERA just over one. Lucas Gilbreth, we had an article on him, how he had an ERA of 150 or something like that. But, I mean, obviously there's going to be some moments where a bullpen isn't going to get it done. I mean, that, as Bud Black would say, that's baseball. I mean, yeah. occasionally they're going to hit your best pitch. And what can you do about it? But when you're mislocating pitches or you're throwing 12 straight balls or shall I say non-competitive pitches, you're going to have damage done against you. Even if you're facing a team that's on pace to lose nearly a hundred games in the Chicago cups. So that's part of their problem. And I mean, there's still, a, it's, it's, it's sad to see sometimes how they blow games. Cause I mean, well, I've had it numerous times where people be like, Oh, well, guess what? Uh, the Rockies have a whatever run league going into seventh or eighth inning. Like just wait, just wait. Sure enough. Something happens. And even if it's not blown, uh, they, they, they usually make it interesting, which is not a good yeah. thing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You know, it, there was one um, and, and I cannot remember who it was. So uh, if you're listening to this and I don't give you credit, I apologize. But there was somebody on Twitter last night while I was at O'Hare uh, what kind of listening to the game and, and keeping up with it on game day. Uh, somebody asked about or brought up the Rangers series, uh, the Father's Day Rangers series, when the Rockies blew games down in Arlington at the old ballpark, not the one you're going to, but the old ballpark. And it got me thinking back to the Wade Davis moments uh you know in milwaukee in texas uh you know it got me thinking back to when greg holland had a really bad stretch as the closer you know i mean every reliever is going to go through bad stretches doesn't matter how great you are it's going to happen the problem with the rockies and something that they've got to address in the offseason is that the number of people that you feel confident with them coming into the game with a two run lead is not large, especially with a three batter minimum that they've got to face, you know? So I, I think that that's something that has to be addressed in the off season is how do you ensure that your bullpen, you've got the rotation in place, you know, depending on what happens with John Gray, you've got the rotation in place. 
Now you've got to move to that next step and try to shore up the bullpen. And no, I'm not talking about signing Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and, you know, super bullpen again, but you've got to find arms that you feel confident that they're going to not only have the physical skills, but also the mental stamina to come in there and nail down an eighth inning without any damage being done. And I know I mentioned this to you in Chicago at the beginning of the year, spring training time. If I would have told you that Ulysses was one of your best relievers and one of your setup men, you would say that bullpen's probably not doing very well. Sure enough. I mean, he should not be one of your setup men, period. I mean, he could be in your bullpen. He's a good veteran presence around the team, but he should be a long reliever. He should not be one of your setup men, period. I mean, uh, that's really all there is to it. it. And the problem is, and, and and I wrote about this recently, is the fact that Shasin has had about five different roles this year. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about how Jeff Hoffman kept moving back and forth. My God, Shasin has been a short guy, a long guy, a spot starter. I mean, he's done just about everything you can so far this year. Uh, and luckily, being the veteran that he is, he's been able to adapt and, and move to it. But, but no, I, I agree with you. And, and I think that heading into the Dodgers series, you know, there are serious questions about is Daniel Barger closer? If it's a three to two lead in the ninth heading into Dodger Stadium, who's going to close the game? And, and I'm very curious to see because Bud did mention, you know, after the game last night, he, he admitted the struggles had been there. He admitted that, you know, Bard has had a hard time lately. So what do you do if you're Bud Black heading into a weekend series against uh, a team that, you know, is still trying to chase down an NL West uh, title yet again? Last five games for Bard, 1964 ERA, 476 batting average against 500 on base against. You know, and, and, and I talked to Bard. Uh, you know, and, and I put up an article earlier today on the site just about social media and the, the number of things that are said to these players after games, uh, you know, it's staggering. So hopefully you'll read it and kind of take a step back and think about, you know, when next time you want to mad tweet somebody. But Bard has, you know, it started with the San Diego game uh, and uh, back on August 16th. And, and I went through the video you know, because it was, it was soft contact. And as Bard tells me in that article, he still would throw the same pitch to Grisham that Grisham eventually hit for a three run homer to tie the game. He just said, I'd throw the right pitch. You know, it, maybe it wasn't executed as well as it could have been. Yeah. And, and that's been the problem. And, and I think that that's where a lot of things have happened is that there have been pitches that should be thrown but they're either missing their location or, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the batter can figure out pretty quickly. Yes. He's going to throw me a slider again and he's ready for it. Yeah. It's a combination of poor execution and that's baseball. Yep. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the best hitter will beat the best pitcher. Well, and let's think back to the home run last night. I can't think who hit it for the Cubs, uh, but I retweeted it. Uh, it barely went into the basket there at Wrigley. That's the only stadium it would have been a home run. The only stadium. And it's that little basket that sticks out there at Wrigley Field. You know, we talk about the Crawford boxes in Houston and 
coors and and everything else but i'm telling you those little baskets made a difference uh, this weekend there at wrigley so speaking of which uh, if you haven't listened to the previous episode of the podcast check that out once we're done here and um kevin spoke with taylor mcgregor of course former rockies tv reporter daughter of former rockies team president kelly mcgregor and the namesake for mcgregor square um and one of the things that he talked with her about is the Wrigley stuff and the wind blowing out and yep. Coors. Yep. Yeah. And, and she had some really interesting things to say about that. So yeah, absolutely. Check out that last podcast. And, and I, I think we'd be remiss that the, the Rockies are going from Wrigley to Dodger stadium, both have immense history with them. Uh, they absolutely do. But Wrigley is also much more of a hitters park than Dodger stadium is. And in theory, that, in theory absolutely. You know, yeah, that's then that here comes the that's baseball, but, but I am very curious to see if the offense that showed some spark Wednesday night after an off day can rediscover that spark against what will be really, really good pitching, obviously this weekend at Dodger stadium. And we will talk about that pitching at Dodger Stadium and the probables, or lack thereof, here on the other side of this break. Back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. The Dodgers have actually, at least last I checked, I, I could be wrong, but they have not announced any of their starters for the series. So that's rather peculiar. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... The Dodgers, they're the Dodgers. I mean, they, they do have some injuries. And they do have some guys out that are, um, I'll just say his name, Trevor Bauer. Um, yeah. But um, Bueller is not going to pitch in the series. But, I mean, you still got, you could face Scherzer. You could face Julio Urias. Um, you could face a number of other different guys that, I mean, the Dodgers. I mean, the, the yeah. They, they they find plenty of guys to do it. Um, so and then after that series, they will be down in Texas. I will be down there for the series. Um, before that series, um, we will have well, we'll actually have another episode of the podcast coming out this weekend, um, perhaps even as early as Friday, and we will have a conversation with uh, two former uh, with two former. Uh, former Rockies, two current Rockies who are formerly natives of Texas and some things that they think that uh, some of their favorite memories there and some places, specifically restaurants that if you are going there, you should check out. Um, As believe it or not, the closest stadium in relation to Colorado that the Rockies are playing at this year is Globe Life Park. That's a, that's a really interesting thought, actually. Uh, you know, now that you mentioned that, it makes perfect sense, but I probably would have gone Phoenix on you, but uh, that makes perfect they are, sense. They are really close, but it's like, I think, 25, 30 miles fewer hey, to Texas. Still works. Still works. But the closest one, actually, is the one that's closest to me as we speak, and that is Kauffman Stadium. The old I-70 battle. I guess you could say that for St. Louis too, but still, absolutely. No, I'm, no I'm, the, that would be the Sud series because it wasn't 82. 
series. There you go. Well, well, no, that was, sorry, St. Louis, Milwaukee on that, but still, I mean, that, yeah, I-70, that was 85, but yeah. Yep, Whitey Herzog uh, just uh, shook his fist at you from somewhere on this, uh, you know. uh, The old white rat. Exactly, you know, uh, I'm sure Buddy will have a story about I'm sure Bud would have a Whitey story if we ask him. (laughs) No, I have stories about everyone, because, and this is another article we had on the site, too. His first time pitching at Wrigley. He remembers a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, that, it's absolutely stunning how great his memory is. And also, too, for uh, obviously, this is a little bit of a look behind the curtain, but that man does his research. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, he does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. He's, uh, he's, you know, say what you will about, him being a manager, everything else, as far as it's just an interesting human being to talk to, uh, Bud Black is, is that. Uh, and here. then also, too, I, I've seen this on Twitter, I mean, recently, but I've also seen this as far back as when he was hired. Um, oh, when are they going to fire Bud Black? Sure. Or uh, they should fire Bud Black. Uh, whether it's Bill Schmidt or not, I would be stunned, stunned. If they fire him no, that's, uh, that's... now, if he decided that he wanted to retire after this year or next year or whenever, 15 years down the line that, okay, that I could see that possibly happening. I don't, I don't foresee them firing him no. at least anytime soon. No, with, with the way that this roster is constructed and everything that the Rockies have gone through this year. I mean, if you think back, to the start of this calendar year and everything that has happened for this franchise in 2021, Bud Black has been the guy that you wanted at the helm of the ship whenever it hit the storm again and again and again. So I, and, and he's also, you know, no, let's be perfectly honest. A lot of times Bud Black has been the mouthpiece for this organization too. There has not been one word coming from the front office sometimes, and it's been Bud who's been out there in front of the cameras or on Zooms with us uh, explaining things. So, yeah. and not to yeah. mention too, since June, if I would have told you that the Rockies had um, a record that was three games above five hundred, you'd say, "Hell yeah, I take that." Yeah, unfortunately, of course, we know how the season started. Uh, you know. And- Let's be honest, too. If they just found a way to win 10 more road games and frankly not blow them, whether it be by starting pitching offense or bullpen, they'd be in the playoff hunt in most divisions right now. Yeah. Yep. No argument, my friend. No argument. I know you – we will both be watching the Dodgers series from afar, but then I am excited for you to start the – the new week uh, down in Texas. And I'll be anxious to hear for your thoughts on uh, a ballpark. I have not been to yet. And I know you haven't either. So I'll be curious to hear what you think about it. It will be Thomas Harding and I both going there part of Rockies media's first time at the Texas, uh, the new ballpark in Texas is it will be his first time too. Yep. Yep. Cause we know last year when the Rockies went, uh, there was nobody else allowed in there. We know that. So with the exception of in the, um, exhibition game, Sam Hilliard's parents were allowed into that. And that's one thing that we spoke about with him. He spoiler alert. He's one of the guys I talked with. Um, 
and we'll have an article on the site and we may have some of the audio as well on a podcast as well. Just can't ever tell what we're going to throw up on the site. So make sure you're checking out rockspile.com. You know, Kevin, it's, it's amazing what happens when you travel. You know, I'm just saying every day we try to put a new little something, something up there and uh, certainly appreciate uh, all of you reading as well as uh, all the help that uh, just a huge shout out uh, to Shelby and Rob for all their help in Chicago uh, with, with uh, some of the player interviews we did. No, any final thoughts, man? Let's wrap this up. I think uh, people are ready to get on with their weekend and get some Dodgers uh, Rockies going. Like you said, Kevin, stuff on the site every single day. Most no, people do. don't do that. We well, do. We do. Just telling We've you. We've done it for at least four years. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Every day. And and one thing that I am, uh, I'm really hopeful that you all will take the time to read uh, is, you know, shameless plug here, uh, the social media article, because Daniel Bard, Ryan McMahon, uh, Austin Gomber all sat down with me to talk about uh, the comments that they see on their social media pages, on their significant others or spouses, social media pages, uh, you know, and it just kind of, it makes you step, take a step back and go, are we really getting this worked up uh, as a society? And well, the answer is yes. So, and the answer always is if you are angry about something, don't tweet about it. Yeah. Don't, in fact, don't put it on social media in general. Yeah. You know, like we, we already see enough drama on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever garbage you're on, which I'll, I'll call it garbage because I hate social media. But, <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, um, for the most part, I should say. Just think before you tweet. I love that. And I think that's really wise, sage advice. Uh, we thank all of you for listening to this episode of the Rocks Power Rockies Report. Uh, I enjoyed hanging out with Noah in Chicago. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Noah again when the Rockies come back to Coors Field. Uh, I know Noah will be here and uh, we'll be teaming up on some coverage. Uh, and as Noah mentioned, we will be doing another podcast uh, this weekend uh, with a little some thoughts heading into uh, the Dodgers series, as well as what's to come in the last interleague series of the season. But for now, Kevin Henry signing off for my friend and colleague Noah Yingling. And as always, go Rockies. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.